The Savior of the world was born 5.9 miles away, and these people didn't have the desire to even go see Him for themselves. And they missed the opportunity. They missed the joy that they could have had experiencing the reality of His birth. Would you have made the trip? Sadly, in this world today, there are some who won't drive 5.9 miles to come to church on Sunday mornings, or not even across town, and they miss the opportunity to experience the joy of being in the fellowship of the King of Kings. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Our title this morning is His Birth. As we lit the candle of joy this morning, the third candle of our Advent wreath, and going to be talking about the birth of Jesus and his birth and what it means to us. Let's read together Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the first 14 verses. Starting in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about the birth of Jesus this morning and we learn what His birth means, help us to apply these truths to our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do a bunch of imagining this morning. Can you imagine for me this morning? Have you had that second cup of coffee? I want you to imagine this morning that I'm bringing somebody into church here and we're going to stand them right down here in the front. This is somebody who doesn't know a thing in the world about Christmas. They've never heard of it. They don't know anything about it. Can you imagine that with me? They've never heard of Christmas. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud. Just ponder this in your mind. So this person is standing here in the front, and I want to ask you to think of a word, one word, 
that describes Christmas to them as, as adequately as you know how. Now, the first time I'm going to ask you to think of a word that's a worldly answer, not necessarily a religious answer. As I thought about that this week, I, words came to mind. I thought about family. Family is certainly uh, something that's on everybody's mind at Christmas time. We spend time with family over the holidays. And so family could be a word that comes to your mind when you think of a worldly answer to give someone who doesn't know a thing in the world about Christmas. The second thing that came to my mind was food. And certainly food is an accurate word to give a description of what Christmas is about from a worldly perspective. Most of us, uh, we, the, the government says that we're going to put on about five pounds on average this year during the Christmas holidays, eating all the goodies and things that we have to eat during Christmas. Another worldly answer that you might give would be presents, gifts. And certainly gift giving is a big part of Christmas from a worldly materialistic perspective. Did you know last year, I looked at a study this week, in 2022, Christmas of 2022, you know what the average American spent on Christmas gifts? $932 on average. Our country, our nation spent $178 billion buying Christmas gifts. So those are just some words that came to mind when you think of a worldly answer to give somebody to tell them about Christmas. But what if I were to tell you to give me a religious answer? One word that describes Christmas. Don't, don't tell out loud. Just think about that. We were to change the instruction. Certainly hope comes to mind. Christmas is all about hope. We sing all the hymns and the carols and uh, Oh Holy Night has got in it. Part of that stanza of one of those uh, stanzas of Oh Holy Night. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So hope is certainly an accurate depiction of what Christmas is about. Love, there's, there's nothing uh, else about Christmas that's not described by love. The love of God for us. And the Bible tells us time and again about the love of God. Listen to these. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace we've been saved. Another passage that talks about the love of God. John 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. And then John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So love is another word that you might think of as a religious word to describe Christmas to someone. Another word you might think of is peace. Christmas is a time for peace. The world needs peace. And so Psalm 4 and verse 8 talks about the peace that we have in the Lord. It says in Psalm 4 and verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Jesus was talking to His disciples in John 16 and verse 33. And He said, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. 
And then, of course, Isaiah 9 and verse 6, that very familiar passage, uh, Isaiah talks about, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So hope and love and peace are all words that we could use to describe Christmas. But there's one word, one other little word that I think we need to talk about this morning. And that single word is the word joy. It's the focus of our Advent brief this morning. We lit the candle of joy. There's one single word that describes Christmas from a, a heavenly perspective. It would be joy. We hear and sing about joy during Christmas time. All of our Christmas carols, we, we sing them in church. We hear them over the loudspeakers in stores talking about joy. Some of these that we hear all the time or sing all the time. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. And from our text in Luke 2 this morning that we read, the angels proclaimed there in Luke 2 verses 10 and 11, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. When that announcement was made, to those shepherds outside Bethlehem that starry night, the angel said it was good news of great joy. What was the news? That a birth had occurred. A birth had occurred. But not just any birth. It was the birth of a Savior. It was the birth of Christ. It was the birth of the Lord. It was the birth of Jesus. And His birth is the birth that can bring joy to all people. You know, there are a lot of births every day worldwide. 385,000 estimated. 385,000 births every day, all year long, worldwide. And they estimate that birth rate's going to stay the same for about 50 more years. 385,000 births every day. So births are common. And most all births bring joy to at least a small handful of people around them. You have had children or grandchildren of your own and they bring joy to, the, to those closest to them. Maybe if you don't have children or grandchildren of your own, you've got family or friends that have had kids and they bring joy to just a small few, but not Jesus. Jesus' birth brought joy to all, or he can. That's the difference. The angel said, it's good news of great joy which shall be to all people. The good news about Jesus' birth brought joy before it happened. It brought joy while it was happening. And it still brings joy today. And so we're going to imagine again this morning. I told you to put your imagining hats on. We're going to imagine for just a few minutes that we're standing there on that silent holy night. And we're standing right beside the manger. Can you imagine that? We're standing in Bethlehem in the city of David. On the night that Jesus was born, and we're standing there looking at this baby in the manger. Have you got that in your head? We're going to use that as our point of reference as we think about the joy that the birth of Jesus, His birth, the joy that His birth brought 
Past, present, future. The first thing we want to think about is the revelation of his birth. The revelation of his birth brought joy. Now when I say revelation, the definition of revelation that I'm using is is the definition that the dictionary had, an act of revealing or communicating divine truth. Or, another definition, is something that is revealed by God to humans. And so the revelation of His birth brought joy in the past. God revealed His plan to redeem humanity way back in Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, In Genesis 3 and verse 15, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you'll strike his heel. From the very beginning, right after Adam and Eve had had sinned, God revealed that a baby would be born. Offspring would be born of the woman. And that was going to be the Savior that would be coming to take away the sin of the world and to crush the head of Satan. And we know that offspring is Jesus. We know that Moses wrote Genesis, although we don't know exactly when it was written. We can estimate it was about 1,500 years before Jesus was born. And so the revelation of his birth in Genesis 3 was there, and it brought joy. Fast forward a little bit further. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, the Holy Spirit of God revealed to Isaiah about the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel. This scripture points to the manner in which this offspring, this seed of the woman, this Savior would be born. He'll be born of a virgin. Talking about His humanity, yet His deity. We know Jesus was fully God and fully man. Philippians 2 and verse 6 and 8 says that. uh, Talking about Jesus said, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And not only does that the revelation about his birth there in Isaiah chapter 7 tell about the manner in which he'd be born. But it gives one of the names that would be given Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Not only did it reveal there who would be born, offspring of a woman, and how the manner in which he'd be born, born to a virgin, but he gave us the name. And all these revelations about his birth, Isaiah's was written 700 years before Jesus was born. These revelations tell the who, and they tell the how. But God also revealed the where. Listen to Micah 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now we know Jesus, we're standing here at the manger, remember, as we imagine that. We're standing here in Bethlehem, the city of David. We know Jesus is born in Bethlehem. 
And that's the city of David, where David grew up as well. You see, the city of David is not Jerusalem, it's Bethlehem. David was from there. We find that out from 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1, where God told Samuel to go and anoint him. And he said in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1, Fill your horn with oil, talking to Samuel, and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. The city of David, Bethlehem, 5.9 miles south of Jerusalem. 5.9 miles south of Jerusalem. And this prophecy by Michael was written about 800 years before Christ's birth. And so we get to Luke 2 that we read from a minute ago. And it says, the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David. So the revelation of his birth was given in the Old Testament. Where his birth would take place. And the manner in which his birth would take place. And even one of the names he would be given at birth. Emmanuel, God with us. And those in the Old Testament times heard these revelations of his birth. And there's no doubt they had joy when they thought about with eager anticipation their Savior to be born. Remember you and I are standing here at the manger looking at the baby, Jesus. And there's Jesus wrapped up in swaddling clothes. And Mary and Joseph are there. And we stand here and we think about the revelation of His birth in the past. All those that came before us. And the joy that they had. And that eager anticipation and the joy that His birth was going to bring. But then there's a noise in the stable. And we're snapped back to reality. And we're in the present. And we realize the reality of His birth brought joy. The reality of His birth brought joy. No doubt the reality of His birth brought joy to those who were there. Listen to Luke 2. 10 and 11 again. And the angel said unto them, speaking to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The announcement came. It was a present reality. This day he's born in the city of David. And his birth was a reality. You know why? There's two reasons. The revelations of his birth in the Old Testament. And the reality of his birth is it's told there for us in Luke 2 in the Gospels. And the angels announced it. But there's another reason I think that his birth is an absolute certainty and a reality. Because of his life. You and I probably can't remember when we were born. But we know we were born because we're alive. You can't live on this earth unless you're physically born of a woman. That's the way it works. Except for Adam who was formed out of the dust of the ground by God Himself. And Eve who was formed out of the rib that God took out of Adam's side. Every one of us since then has been born of a woman. So that's evidence to me that Jesus' birth occurred because of the eyewitness testimony of his life. He was alive. John, the Apostle John, would write in John, 1 John 1 and verse 1, speaking of Jesus, he says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, 
This we proclaim concerning the word of life. And then he wrote in his own gospel, John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then in John 1, and skip on down to verse 14, John writes, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. His birth was reality because His life was a reality. He dwelt among men and people saw Jesus and they heard Jesus and they touched Jesus. They talked with Him and they walked with Him. And that's evidence of His birth because of His life. And we have that eyewitness testimony of His life. And it brought joy. The reality of His birth brought joy. It brought joy to the shepherds. They were told of the reality of His birth. And they went to see Him. Look on there in Luke 2. Pick up about verse 15. It says, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And then skip to verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Can't you just feel the joy as they ran through the streets telling about what they had seen and heard? The reality of his birth brought them joy. I'll tell you who else it brought joy to. The wise men. The wise men from the east. They knew that he had been born because they followed the star. Hundreds of miles. And they showed up on Herod's doorstep. They could have possibly come from as far away as Babylon. We don't know for sure. Following that Bethlehem star that pointed to the reality of his birth. And listen to their joy. In Matthew 2, different gospel. Matthew 2, verses 9 through 11. When they heard uh, the king, they had come to Herod and they had asked him, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Scripture says that Herod was disturbed and all in Jerusalem were disturbed by this, this question. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? And it says there in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The shepherds were filled with the joy of the reality of his birth because they saw him. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, the Bible says. But you know what puzzles me? In Matthew 2, when the wise men show up and Herod, it says Herod was troubled by the question. And all in Jerusalem were troubled. And he reached out to the chief priests and the scribes and asked them, where would the Christ be born? And they told him. They knew. They even cited Micah chapter 5 that we read from a minute ago. Said he'd be born in Bethlehem. But what puzzles me about that is all those religious people 
who knew the Bible, who knew about Christ, knew about the Messiah, when He would be born, not necessarily when, but who and where. They knew all of this. And yet, as far as we know, not a one of them traveled those 5.9 miles to go see for themselves. The wise men had tra traveled hundreds of miles following a star that pointed to the reality of His birth. And yet, those that were 5.9 miles away who were waiting on Him, anticipating Him, knew the Scriptures, yet they wouldn't travel that short distance to go and see for themselves. They missed the most significant birth to have ever occurred and that ever will occur. They missed it. You know, I looked on Google Maps this week. 5.9 miles. If you stood at the front of our church there under the outside stoop there on the front door, and you started walking, and you walked up here to the stop sign behind the hospital in Calvary, and then you turned and went east on Prairie Point Road. Do you know where you'd end up in 5.9 miles? Ex-Prairie Church. 5.9 miles is the driveway of Ex-Prairie Church out there. Not even to Deerbrook Road. The Savior of the world was born 5.9 miles away and these people didn't have the desire to even go see Him for themselves. And they missed the opportunity. They missed the joy that they could have had experiencing the reality of His birth. If somebody told me that Jesus was born out at X Prairie, I think I could walk out there in a couple of hours. Most of us could. We certainly drive out there in less than 10 minutes. Those people had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to experience that joy of the reality of His birth and they missed it. So I have a question for us. Would you have walked that short distance? Someone that you knew about in the Scripture, somebody that you had anticipated His coming, the Savior, the Messiah, would you have gone that short distance to, to meet Him? Would I have? I'd like to think so. If wise men showed up in the church this morning and said, hey, we've been following this star and it's, we've been following it hundreds of miles. Where's he who's been born king of the Jews? I'd like to think I would at least follow them out there to see for myself. 5.9 miles away, the distance from here to X Prairie Church. Would you have made the trip? Sadly, in this world today, there are some who won't drive 5.9 miles to come to church on Sunday mornings or not even across town. And they miss the opportunity to experience the joy of being in the fellowship of the King of Kings. We're still standing here as we come back to where we're standing. We're standing, imagining we're standing by the manger. And we've looked at the revelations of His birth and the people in the past that they had the revelations of his birth in the Old Testament and the joy that it brought them. We experienced the reality of his birth at this present moment standing here beside the manger and the joy that the reality of his birth brought to those who were around him, the shepherds and the wise men. And now we look from this point forward and we see the result of his birth and the joy that it brings. The result of his birth brings joy. Why? For unto you, the angel said, for unto you is born this day a Savior, a Christ, 
the Lord. As we imagine ourselves standing beside the manger here, from the moment of his birth and for the rest of eternity, the world is different. Because his birth, the result of his birth, brings joy to all people. Isaiah 9 and verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of darkness, a, a light has dawned. And we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. You know, most of the people that I can think of that have ever been king were either anointed or appointed or elected or chosen, but not Jesus. He was born king. He was born king of kings. And the result of his birth brings joy because of the joy that's found in the salvation that he gives. That's available to all people. That's what the angel was talking about. Good tidings of great joy that shall be for all people. Jesus died once for all. It's just up to us whether we miss it or not. It's up to us whether we travel the 5.9 miles or maybe the 15.9 inches from head to heart. That's a long distance for a lot of people to travel. And a lot of people won't travel it because they don't believe, they reject. They don't want to know Jesus. They want to know about him, but they don't want to know him. And that 15.9 inches from here to here is a long distance for a lot of people. And a lot of people will miss heaven because of that short 15.9 inches. Doesn't matter whether you miss it by 5.9 miles or 15.9 inches, you still miss it if you miss it. So don't miss it this morning. Would you trust Him for salvation today? Maybe for the first time. Maybe for this first Christmas ever in your life. You can experience the reality of the joy that He gives. The joy of salvation. It can't be taken away from you once you have it. Or you can give the joy away by sin. The Bible says our iniquities, our sins have separated us from God. We're not unsaved when we sin but it harms our relationship it robs us of joy we remember in Psalm 51 King David talked about the joy of his salvation after he had sinned with Bathsheba the joy of his salvation was gone and he asked God please restore unto me the joy of thy salvation Psalm 51 so let him in if he's knocking on the heart, your heart this morning maybe someone like David is been robbed of that salvation joy. Laid at his feet this morning. Confess it, surrender it to him. Whatever your spiritual need is today, God is big enough, he is willing enough, and he loves you enough to give you the joy that he can give and only he can give if you just trust him today. Would you do that? If there's some other need on your heart, you come forward as we stand and sing in just a minute. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know why you chose to do what you did. So many of us 
myself included, we stand sometimes and think, why me, Lord? Why me? Why did you send your best to take my place on that cross? We know you did it because you love us. We're grateful for that, Lord. We can't wrap our minds around it sometimes. But Lord, this Christmas season, help us to fully surrender to you. And with open arms, receive the joy that only you can give. The joy that you revealed in the Old Testament times. The revelation of his birth brought that joy. And the reality of his birth brings joy. And the result of his birth is salvation. And the joy of that salvation. Father, my prayer is that everybody in the sound of my voice knows that joy and they share it with others. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.